You're listening to MedPoint's Half Hour of Health, live on AM980 or online at am980.ca. Got a question about healthcare, dieting, exercising? Give us a call at 519-643-2222 or 1-866-354-8255. Now, here's your host, Ron Young. All right. Good morning, London. It's a great day to be here. And uh, joining me today, co-hosting the lovely Kate Lane. Kate, how are you today? I'm doing really well. Thanks. Good. How are you? I'm doing great. That's and good. I don't know if you noticed or the listeners noticed, but we changed uh, our intro music a, a month or so ago. I just noticed really that. Rockin', really rocking, eh? Yeah. I want to really thank good. the boys from Nickelback for that one. <laughs> Chad Chad Kroger and, and, the, and the gang. So thanks for that real rocking tune. Get us started. I know that always gets me going in the morning. So hopefully it does for all our listeners as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we got a lot of stuff going on, <laughs> a lot of things happening at MedPoint. And, uh, you know, it's great to be a part of the whole process from when somebody enters the gym to, to when they receive their meal plan, their first workout, uh, and then, you know, kind of carrying them through that journey uh, as to, you know, this is where we're starting. And now we're at the halfway point. Now we're at the finishing point. I mean, me and you train individuals all the time yeah and uh it, it's just really rewarding to to be in the job that we're in yeah absolutely especially when somebody actually sticks to the structure of the program does three sessions a week you can really see the progress happen and see like the changes happen at each stage at a very you know structured way it, yeah. it makes a big difference when people stick to the structure i find with sticking to their goals it really helps when we have yeah, when we have a lot of te- testing equipment, right? We have the BodPod, the Fit 3D. So just yeah. kind of touching on each of these, the BodPod gives us your body fat percentage as well as it shows us your lean mass and everything. Mm-hmm. We have the Fit 3D, which shows us your body circumferences mm-hmm. very accurately. Takes takes human error out of the equation. Yeah, it's kind of nice to see. You actually see a little avatar of yourself yeah. come out. Too. Like you're in yeah. James Cameron's movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just a little flashback for you. Yeah. Uh, and then, so you can get rescanned, and then you see the progress as the weight's fallen off. Mm-hmm. Hopefully falling off. Mm-hmm. If it's gaining, then you're not going to be happy with it. Another the thing you could see there is, like, changes in muscle mass. Like, if you're growing mm-hmm. in a certain area, that and that's what your goal is, that's a good way to measure that as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and that's a great point, because I had a client uh, who was in a couple weeks ago, and I mean, you could just see the stomach area that was just like, you know, being more chiseled. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, it is, it's really cool to see those changes. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So, um, Kate and I just had a couple of things that we wanted to throw out there because now that we're getting into the spring, you're getting into the barbecue season. You're going to be, <clears throat> I don't know about you, Kate, but some of my meals I completely cook on the barbecue. Yeah. Like my vegetable, my meat, you know, everything. Yeah, it cuts back on doing dishes, right? It's so. great. <laughs> I love it. Uh, and anyway, we wanted to give you guys, the listeners, some healthy meal ideas, um, some healthy meal swaps. So something that you may be eating now that you could easily switch out for something else. So um, the first one is white bread and jam versus wholemeal bread and peanut butter so yeah this is a great swap out you're eating something with more grains to it so it's got more fiber content and then also adding the say especially natural peanut butter you're having a healthy fat there rather than the sugar that comes with the jam so it really does 
change up what you're eating and actually you digest it a lot better um, because of the healthy fats there. Mm -hmm. Um, Another really great way to switch things up is to have a can instead of a can of soda or pop. Uh, have sparkling water with fruit added into it. So it looks nice and and pretty and it tastes like it's got a bit of sweetness from the fruit. Um, It's a great way to get the carbonation, like the the bubbles and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Some people just crave that. Yeah. Um, The pea and ham soup versus the minestrone. So obviously getting the healthier option. I mean, the pea and ham soup is obviously loaded with sodium and mm-hmm. stuff like Either that. Either soup might be loaded with sodium, but look for I a guess, low yeah. sodium option and get one that has more uh, variety in the vegetables in it. Yeah. Will make a difference. Absolutely. And the pea, the pea and ham is more of a cream base. And mm-hmm, like, true. Like a potato or a, or um, a cre- you know, yeah, just cre- stay away from the yeah. creamy ones. Yeah, exactly. That's all we're saying. Another good option would be uh, having... Instead of sour cream, use Greek yogurt. It tastes very similar, but it's a lot lower in fat, and also it's got a lot more protein in it. So it's a great option to use instead of sour cream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great, great uh, swaps there, Kate. Um, of course, that that can be found on on a blog. Which blog is it again? Uh, I think it's uh, Kaitla Nitsi. Uh, it's her blog. Yeah. Yeah. So you can check that out if you want. Yeah. Um, but she had a few different ideas. So when we were mm-hmm. talking about topics to to speak on we thought that'd be fun to to kind of get listeners in the mood for you know some summer eating yeah yeah absolutely the other thing that we wanted to talk about on the show is this technology stuff i mean we're surrounded by it i mean practically our we're swallowed up by it you know when we're walking down the street and almost run into a light pole looking at our phones (laughs) i can't say that's never happened to me (laughs) Um, this, this Apple iWatch is, it's gotten a lot of attention lately and I just wanted to touch on it very briefly because I know we got to get to commercial and stuff. We got another, uh, we have a special guest coming on the show today, which will be great. But, uh, the whole technology thing, um, cell phones, iPads, laptops, TVs, we're we're just surrounded by technology and and studies have shown with screen time and stuff like that depression i mean it's linked to a lot of different health side effects diabetes right because of the inactivity with mm-hmm. our children it's very dangerous to slide into the, this and and you need to make sure that you're setting limits on things absolutely is the apple iwatch effective i'm sure it is but does it come at a price I mean, we're already tied to our phones that are in our pockets, so now we have this little device that's on our wrist. Mm-hmm. And how well does it work? Because in the one article that we got from Forbes, um, it was kind of mentioning how not many people wear wristwatch watches nowadays. And if they do, I think they're a little bit more decorative. Like even yeah. back to like just the hands watches, just for more of a jewelry look. And, yeah. And rather than the technology look. Yeah, exactly. And I know personally, I, I don't wear a watch. Um, I know Pete's watch in the gym drives me nuts because <laughs> it beeps all the time. But um, yeah, it's just, it's just a great point. Like you're going to spend a lot of money on something that essentially your cell phone does. It's just mm-hmm. an extension off of that. So yeah. why waste your money? Why expose yourself to even more screen time? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it just doesn't make sense to me. So... Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, and that kind of leads into Kate with a lot of this, uh, Fitbits and stuff like that. Like they're good, 
Yeah. But just make sure that you're, yeah, you're, you're buying it for the right reasons. You're buying it and you're going to use it. It's not just going to sit around. And also like once you have it on, don't use it as, oh, an excuse to like say, oh, I've done enough for the day necessarily. Mm -hmm. Like if you just go about your everyday life and and you find out, oh, I've, you know, I've walked this much, that's probably enough. It's showing me that I've burned this many calories. You can't necessarily assume that that's really all perfectly accurate and also Mm -hmm. it's beneficial to change it up and do something more in your day than just walking around which i mean by all means that's a great thing and it helps pick up the pace and maybe do more walking than you normally would do which is great yeah um but i definitely think it's it's not going to be everything like all the measures that we want to go by well and and now that this apple iWatch has a screen like now if you're active you have to be careful that you're not going to bump it and break it or something like that right so it is kind of tricky um and i know on one of our shows uh probably a couple months ago we we kind of compared the fitbit the garmin one and you know it's obviously uh based on an accelerometer so if you're doing something like a push-up or a pull-up or something like that it's not going to give you any credit for some of the most <laughs> difficult exercises mm-hmm. because your wrist is in a stationary position. Yeah, right for sure. And uh, even they did uh, walking. So they, they each had one in their hand. Uh, I think it was in Consumer Reports. And they walked out a thousand equal steps, like side by side. And then they looked at what their Fitbit or whatever gave them. And they found that oftentimes it was overestimating. So oh, you're, yeah. you're absolutely right. Yeah. Don't Don't let it kind of say okay i've done my share for today Mm -hmm. always push that extra mile Mm -hmm. right absolutely yeah so we're going to take a quick commercial break here when we come back from the break we have lucas brown dr lucas brown a good friend of mine he's going to be joining us on the air we'll be right back you're listening to medpoint's half hour of health live on am 980 or online at am 980.ca The most interesting health news, advice, and your calls at 519-643-2222 or 1-866-354-8255. Once again, here's your host, Ron Young. I want to welcome everybody back to the program. It's a beautiful Saturday morning. We are here live at the downtown city center. Yeah, I'm excited for today. It's really nice out there. Only on AM 980 will you hear such great content as this. Yes, absolutely. We're changing the world, Kate, really. Yeah. One step at a time. Yep. <laughs> That's if people take our advice, right? Yes. I mean, people yeah. listen, but they can choose to accept it or not. <laughs> um, joining us on the show right now, I'm going to patch him through here, uh, Dr. Lucas Brown. He's a good friend of mine. He's a great guy. Uh, and he's currently, um, well, he's he's going through to be an anesthesiologist. So he puts people to sleep. Um, or, you know, helps with that, that process during surgeries, epidurals for, for women, uh, stuff like that. So um, on the line here, Lucas Brown, how are you today? Hi, Ron. It's uh, great to be on board. Sun is shining, like you mentioned. It's a great Saturday. Got a nice sleep in today. Yeah. Kate, it's good to meet you. Good to meet you as well. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us. And I, I mentioned to the listeners that you are uh, an anesthesiologist, so just don't go putting people to sleep on this show, okay? <laughs> Not with my boring voice and my long and winded answers. So what I wanted to talk with you about, and we were kind of discussing this uh, when we were planning for the show, but this whole idea of uh, our healthcare system and what tests are absolutely necessary for you know, our doctors to to have done on patients and stuff like that. Because in our world where, 
you know, the almighty dollar is so important on, on a system that's being strained by diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and stuff like that. How do we make sure that we are um, not bankrupting the healthcare system? Well, that's a really good question, Ron. And if I could have a quick answer for you, I'd give it. Unfortunately, I don't. Um, it's a good question. I mean, how do we know uh, what kind of testing would be necessary for our physician to do for us? And I think as a patient, it's very difficult to uh, get your hand, head around all the factors that might apply here. Mm. I mean, first of all, you need to understand the strengths and weaknesses of the test that you're after, kind of what limitations might it have in terms of reaching a diagnosis or risk stratification, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Every test has its own inherent limitations, and it's really hard to know without understanding the test itself, how it's done, how the research about it came about, that kind of thing. Right. And then as a patient, you all also have to have a concept of what's called pretest probability. So if you're someone who has a very high likelihood of having the disease of interest or having the condition that you're searching for, maybe there would be a test that's very relevant and could give you all that information. Yeah. But if you're someone who has a low pretest probability and is just kind of in a general population going for a screening examination, then uh, the test might not actually be applicable to you or might just be much less useful. Mm-hmm. And then finally, as a patient, um, you'd have to have some concept of the health economics of the test that you're interested in and have an understanding of how much it's really costing the system if you go and you ask your family physician to be tested for X, Y, or Z. Right. And you know what? All these things take a little bit of reading, a little bit of training, all that kind of stuff. And most, uh, most of the general public doesn't really have access to that kind of information. Mm-hmm. So, so it's hard for patients to understand. Yeah. The, the article <laughs> that we were looking at is on the CBC website. Mm-hmm. Um, and I encourage everybody to take a look at it because it is important to stay informed on what's happening and make sure that you know about situations that are going on. And when you get to the doctor, that you're not kind of, you know, you have your mind set on something. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. and this is kind of where, Lucas, I wanted to chat with you about the pre-diagnosis, the whole, or the uh, self-diagnosis, I guess is a better word for it. Google. It's dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can type in a couple words into the Google search and then figure out that, oh, maybe I have cancer or maybe I have this or that. Yeah. Right? That's right. You turn on your daytime television and Dr. Oz is spouting about how almonds are going to cure your cancer. All yeah. That kind of yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like if you go into the doctor and you have this preconceived idea of what's going wrong with you and you kind of put pressure on the doctor, sometimes maybe they would, I, well, I don't know if this actually would happen, but mm-hmm. would they maybe feel pressure to give in and, and do the test for the person to make them feel at ease? Yeah. And, and that pressure, you know, maybe that, I mean... You would probably know, like whether they would know, learn that in school and right. and how to get around that situation, and that well, that would be challenging. What are I your thoughts think. on that, Lucas? Well, that's a that's a really good point that you make, Kate. A really strong point because we know that the uh, doctor patient re- uh, relationship is so central to how healthcare is performed in this country, and so essential to effective healthcare mm-hmm. that it can be difficult for uh, physicians, especially the primary care physicians. To be in that position where a patient is convinced that they have this problem and they need to have the workup done, mm-hmm. and if the physician doesn't feel that that's appropriate, that puts a really difficult bind on that uh, uh, healthcare provider to patient relationship, and that is so essential and it is so important. Right. So it's really hard to navigate that kind of 
difficult situation. Mm-hmm. But well, it's a very dangerous practice for uh, patients to be looking for answers on things like WebMD, which really don't provide the degree of context that a physician would, who's gone through so much training, who's read all the journals, all that kind of stuff. Because if you're a patient, you go on WebMD and you find out, well, my cough is probably lung cancer. Well, it's probably not lung cancer, but it might be. So you, you always tend to think the context. worst, right? Yeah. Exactly. Your, your mind always jumps to that, oh, well, this is what I could have, even though it's a small percentage, mm-hmm. but that's probably the worst case scenario, so I better think that way uh, and treat it this way. Exactly. Right? Like I said, your pretest probability is so low for having it, but if you're on something that's a fear-mongering website, mm-hmm. such as WebMD, then you're going to be convinced that you have something that's terminal. And so you're going to be demanding these investigations. Mm -hmm. And if your physician ends up obliging you and you get a CT scan of your chest, let's say, to work up this cost, you've already spent several hundred dollars in the investigation alone, let alone the medical time, let alone what you're going to do with the information when you get it. So right. It can put big strains on the system. Yeah. And not, and not to bring up this whole vaccine thing again, because mm-hmm. I think I've driven a few nails into the coffin of that <laughs> debate. But you're right, Lucas. What this comes down to is, do we have trust in our healthcare system? Do we have trust in scientists who have been, you know, d- doing this stuff for years and years and, and, and test, retest, you know, checking validity of medicines, doing this and that? Or are we just going to trust Google, Doctor Google? Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's where are we uh, where are we going to put the chips? Um, we publicly fund our own healthcare system. We may as well use it. Mm-hmm. I mean, whenever we're going in to get any investigation of any kind done, we have to keep in mind that we've already paid for this, or if we haven't, we're soon to be paying for it in a direct or indirect fashion. Mm-hmm. So, putting our chips in something like WebMD, which is something that, as a country, we've decided. Uh, we're not going to be a public funder of, but let's put our chips in something that we have decided we're going to uh, publicly right. fund, like all the healthcare research that um, public health does, and uh, our family physicians and our primary care uh, mm-hmm. physicians keep uh, keep keen on. Well, and and that's kind of you know at MedPoint we have obviously the fitness sector, which is what mm-hmm. we're involved in. Um, the the public and the private sectors, right? Yeah. Because people come into us, they get their three hour medical, and that's that's private pay. But you know, if it, we do very thorough examinations with them in that, and that might be what it's coming down to. Because with a healthcare system that's strained, you know, our country's in debt. Um, I mean. I can't imagine what it costs for a lot of these tests and stuff like that. And if it's done unnecessarily, then, like you said, Lucas, you've kind of wasted a few hundred bucks, right? Mm-hmm, maybe that's more, right. maybe thousands. That's right. Yeah. And I think uh, uh, the general populace doesn't have a good idea of how much uh, certain tests cost, and it's no fault of their own. It's mm-hmm. just that this information is very hard to find out, and it's and uh, it's it's hard to kind of grasp in the grand picture of things because if you go for let's say, a routine surgery and you're a healthy person, we know that the medical guidelines advise not doing any investigations whatsoever, but oftentimes those are still done. And let's say you just get an electrocardiogram of your heart. Mm-hmm. Let's say that's only 10 to $15 per electrocardiogram. You have to think about how many thousands of patients are getting routine surgeries every year. Mm-hmm. So you have to multiply that number by those thousands of dollars. Wow. So you have to have a concept of um, kind of what the guidelines recommend, 
when I, uh, what I, your re- real risk is and how much it's actually costing us. Yeah, and I was listening to, uh, obviously, uh, Chorus was at the Sick Kids Hospital, and they said one machine, like one ventil- ventilation machine alone cost like $32,000. Uh-huh. That's right. We just had the radio on on Thursday. Yeah, and yeah. It, it's, you know, it's crazy. And when you put it into perspective, it's like that's a lot of money for, you know, to be playing around with and if Absolutely. if it's just being wasted now in one area <laughs> where you know these kids actually need this stuff or mm-hmm. or this uh patient needs this medicine or you know whatever it's safe to say funds can be allocated in in a different direction if if you know the testing is unnecessary well maybe Absolutely. it's a matter of like educating everybody on the system and how it works mm-hmm. like because it we feel a lot of people grow up feeling like, oh, we have free health care, but it's not necessarily free. Yeah. L- teaching people that it's actually, you know, we are spending tax dollars on this and we are spending, you know, we are paying for it yeah. in some way or another. And that we need to learn how, you mm-hmm. know, how much we're spending when we do certain tests. You just maybe. scan the OHIP card. And that's what, the, you know, <laughs> you, don't see, you don't see any money attached to it. So mm-hmm. anyways, we, we've run out yeah, of time absolutely. today. Uh, Lucas, I want to thank you for coming on the air. Appreciate okay, your time. well, it's great to be here, and you guys continue to do excellent work. And thank you. Absolutely, keeping uh, our patients out of the intensive care unit with your preventative care is the most effective uh, form of care that you can provide. So, absolutely. thank you for all that you guys do. Amen, brother. Awesome. All right, take care, buddy. Thanks a lot. And um, Kate, I want to thank you for joining us today. It's good to be it's a pleasure here. Pleasure having you back, and uh, I want to thank our lovely producer Lindsay because she's awesome, and she's going to give the news in a few minutes here. So that's all for us today. Thanks for joining us on the MedPoint Health Half Hour, and we'll be back next week for another one. Cheers.